lack of uh, frequency and maybe uh, give you a bit of a break in your ears this morning. But uh, I want to especially welcome those of us who are with us for the first time to the eight. And on that note, Ed, can we just do our warm welcome to those around you? We didn't get a chance to do that yet. Turn around to the person next to you, in front of you, and say, Good morning, my name is. Nice to see you again. It's great to be together. I uh, want to just quickly highlight some of the great things that are happening in the SBC family this morning before I dive into God's Word. And um, if you're a first-time visitor, or if you met a first-time visitor this morning, um, won't you just uh, enjoy yourself and invite them either to the corner here. We've got some stuff prepared for them to snack on and to have some conversation with some of our SBC family. Can all the volunteers, come on, Karen, come on, all the way, this hospitality team members, there we go. Give them a big, if you need anything this morning, those are the ladies. I don't see any gents. Is it all women team? Oh, well done, girl power. This morning, they'll be happy to make you feel comfortable. Enjoy some coffee. There's some cafe open. And so let's enjoy the most of being together. We had, um, in our family news, we had a wonderful night on Wednesday. We had friends, uh, Taryn and uh, Julie Williams, come, and there was just such a wonderful gentleness of God's Spirit with us on Wednesday night, and there were some lovely infillings. And I didn't want to go home, uh, but that was just round one of where we're going as a church. As you'll soon see, we're wanting to move into more of what it means to pursue life in the Holy Spirit, what it means to be not only full of Him, but also to be operating with Him. And we're going to be looking at something called spiritual gifts soon. And uh, we want to see those demonstrated in the life of the church. And so we'll be having more of these evenings together where we uh, trust the Lord to uh, presence Himself through the Spirit. And for us to grow, we're really on a journey as SPC. Little steps, but uh, momentous nonetheless. Then, further family news, based on that worship, that the worship team, the worship ministry, you saw the glorious blessing these guys are to the church. Can we just give them a round of applause? I just want to honor them this morning. The worship team is here on a Thursday night and on a Sunday, if they're in the morning or a Sunday afternoon, early for the evening. And uh, they play a massive part of helping us engage with Jesus as a church. And if you have any musical talent uh, that can be unleashed on the public, all right, that's quite important. So if you have a voice or if you have a musical instrument and Dane's willing to work with some, if there's, if there's diamonds in the rough, Dane is a very gifted uh, uh, disciple even in worship. So um, don't you want to chat to Dane, he was leading this morning, or put your name down in the info center and I welcome uh, now for you. And the worship ministry would love to have you join them in their journey of helping us love up as SBC. Then, last thing I want to point you to this morning is this piece of paper called The Snapshot. And this is everything that's happening in the life of SBC, particularly the Sterling campus. We have another congregation out at the Ridge that are meeting at 9 o'clock. And everything that you've got to know is on here, but I just want to point your attention to some big things starting. And they are actually, all of them, wonderful opportunities to invite friends that maybe don't yet know Jesus. And you want to bring them along and invite them to your cool friends that do know Jesus. Uh, we've got Alpha starting, that is for anybody that's got questions, um, wherever they are in their um, journey towards Christ. And that is starting on the 6th of March, that's this week. So you've got to sign them up now. A, a small group uh, led by Simone is hosting that. So just draw your attention to that. And also, we have our ladies are watching a very, very profound movie called The Case for Christ. It's the story of a journalist called Lee Strobel's. It is evangelistic in nature. And so if you want to bring along a family member or a friend or a colleague, and uh, these ladies really know how to love on each other and have a lot of fun. So bring them along to that, and that's a great opportunity for the gospel as well. We also have our Sterling Silver event coming up. So if you're close to retirement or in retirement and you want to, you also have a place to bring along friends, they're meeting as well. So just to draw your attention there, I think they're meeting on what is the, uh, the 16th of March. That's right. And then lastly, if you have a young family like myself, um, I don't actually think there's an age restriction to how old your kids have to be. But uh, if you want to have some fun as a family during the holidays, there's always uh, you're looking for stuff to do. Our church is going to be running two events, Teddy Bears Picnic. And that's, please look at the age uh, target there, age three to six. So there is a, an age bracket there. As well as then the following week, or yeah, the following week is the Amazing Families Race targeted between ages eight to 12. And if that's you and you have kids in those age brackets, uh, there's a lot of fun happening there. So uh, won't you please RSVP for those two events at our info center. Great. Put that up on your fridge. It's a great opportunity to stay connected to the life of the church. 
All right, on that note, and staying connected, let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I think let's read from verse 12 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. If you have your phones, you can flip to it. If you have your Bibles, you can open to it. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. For just as the body is one... And has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So he's talking about the human body here. He's saying, if you look at the body, you've got lots of members. You've got eyes, you've got hands, you've got legs, you've got belly buttons, you've got big toes, you've got little fingers. Lots of different parts, but still one whole. And this is the one we're going to look at now, verse 13 today. Notice the emphasis on the one here. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit, or all were drenched in one spirit. I want us uh, to change course slightly this morning. We've been spending six glorious weeks on the Holy Spirit and on this theme of pursuing life in the Holy Spirit. That is the privilege of the Christian is you have the Spirit in every aspect of your life leading you and guiding you, directing you. And it's not a cold process. It's not a process of being empty. In life, we're talking about vitality and power. One of the greatest things about the human body is its energy, not so. And so we have this pulsating life of the Spirit that is helping us Pursue every area of our lives. And so I don't want to ha- rehash all of the six weeks highlights, but I do want to show you a little bit of a shift of what's happening. And it's a, it's a natural shift this morning. You might say, well, you could have just kept calling a series The Pursuits uh, of Life in the Holy Spirit. But I'm choosing to shift from this loving up theme of pursuing life in the Holy Spirit to our loving in theme this year, which is building committed community. Because if there is one thing that you will find if you're wanting to live by the Holy Spirit and become under His leadership, is He is going to push you. Grace is going to flow in your life towards a gathering, towards a people, towards a community, towards a body, which is called the church. And this is vital. And so I'm, I'm basically carrying on with what the Holy Spirit is doing by its nature, but I'm describing now what the outworking of the Spirit in your life will be. And the absence of this outworking, I want to point out today, is always a red flag in the Christian. Moving in the opposite direction of not being grafted into a community is a sign of resisting the Spirit. And so I want to push pause there for a moment, and I want to explain to you the power of the Spirit in the life of the Christian. We've been saying over these last six weeks that when you come to faith in Christ, this member of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, comes and dwells in you. You are called a temple of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it incredible? You become the dwelling place of God. But then he also does this infilling or these outpourings or these baptisms. He understands that in a sense, the Christian life is demanding, and then these moments of intensification where God pours out His love and pours out His power, enabling us to live what we can't naturally do. And that's part of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, where it says we've all been drenched in the Spirit. That's an experience. Well, then there's the other thing. is the outworking of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at last week is when you are saved and come to Christ, you are under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. You do not belong to yourself. Your will is not your own. You are called to come under the leadership of the Spirit, although there is a conflict. You've got your will going, I want this way, with the Spirit saying, I want this way. And we must decide. But we are under the power and leadership of the Spirit. And so, and what He leads us into today is the, 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 the point of where we're having a bit of a shift. Is Not only does the Spirit indwell in us, infill us, lead us in its outworking, is he grafts us into something. There is this ingrafting work. It is being plunged into, connected to. I can't think of more adjectives than that. 
it is the most glorious yet spiritual thing is that God connects you to a people in Christ. Now I want to unpack that this morning. We are going to look at what does it mean to be part of the church, the body of Jesus Christ. And I'm, some of us here this morning are maybe new to this whole church thing. Maybe you got brought by your parents. Maybe you got brought by your girlfriend. Maybe you're just here by accident this morning, inverted commas. I'm hoping today to smash what you view as the church. Maybe if you're young, maybe like a 10 or 11 year old here, and church is really boring. I tell you, church was not optional for me. <laughs> I got up at 6 o'clock with my folks so that they'll be there to pack up the chairs and be in the worship team by 7. And then my church service went on a lot longer than this. It went on for three or four hours. So that when the communion bread was on the table, all the kids would rush to eat what was ever left over because we were starving. That's how long it took, right? And there's a risk here this morning. And some of you have a view of church. Oh, Lord Jesus, please, on another song. Oh, no. Matthew said the last point. We've got three to go. Help me, Lord, get through this moment. And I want to explain to you what the church means. And if you're young and can grasp this early, oh, and if you're old and if you can grasp this now, it will be a life changer for you. Because church is not a building, my dear friend. Church is not what your parents tell you to do on a Sunday. Church is the glory of God coming to dwell in a people. Amen. Church is having brothers and sisters that you're going to worship with forever and ever and ever. More than the blood brother. I mean, one of the things I love is my sister. One of the greatest compliments anyone ever paid me was when my sister said, I miss my brother because he's the one person in the world that can make me laugh. I hope she still thinks that actually. She's since married. I've got competition. But the reality is this is that church is not a place, church is not a bunch of songs. Church is a people, and it's people with a profound mission of understanding what we are connected to and where it is all going. And I want to say to you this morning, I am deeply challenged. I'm coming to you. I am not separated from what I'm about to preach on. God has been putting things, his finger on attitudes of my heart this morning. So I'm just going to give you a forerunner, is that the Lord is going to prime and prompt us this morning as a church to see how much we understand what the Spirit has done in our lives by giving us these brothers and sisters, by grafting us into Jesus. And as we want to start, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 13. Oh, wow, Paul says, for in one Spirit, he's talking about the Holy Spirit, we were all baptized, put into you. It's like you put a fork into a sink or you, 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 you plunge little cucumbers into pickling vinegar. You get placed, you get put into the body of Christ by the spirits. And it's amazing. It does not matter what your background is, whether you're Jew or Greek, Afrikaans, Kosa, Pedi, English, doesn't matter. Whether you're slaves, whether you've got lots of money, social status, whether or not, doesn't matter. In this moment, when you come to faith in Jesus, my friend, the spirit plunges you into his body. And your life is never the same again. And I want to point out to you today that this thing is not something you necessarily feel. That's our problem, right? Not everybody feels like they want to come to church. Can I say that to you this morning? You might have been coming to church for 20 years, and there's moments in your life is like a midlife spiritual crisis. You go, what is all this for? Anyways, you've been serving in children's ministry for like 15 years. Howie, how long did you serve for? I think it's the record, 21 or something, eh? Come on, Howie, how long? 18 years. That's the lifespan of my daughter till she reaches matric. I tell you, sometimes you think to yourself, what on earth is this all about? And, and let me tell you, your brothers and sisters are not necessarily the nicest people to be around in Christ. And I say to you now, I'm standing before you as one who's disappointed his family many times. Some of us have come with baggage. You're going, I don't know if I believe in this whole church thing. It takes up my time. It takes up my money. Excuse me. It takes up my energy. It takes up my wonderful uh, hobbies that I could be doing. What is the point of all of this thing? We don't necessarily feel it. There are times we do. I tell you. We had Sarah. The amount of people who dropped food off, it was for three weeks. My mother-in-law, who is yet to come to Christ. Don't tell her I'm telling you that. Love on her when she comes, okay? Is She said, I can't believe this community. I can't believe this. Look at these guys love each other. I'm here. I can cook. No, no. This is their way of expressing their love for me and my life. It's beautiful. It's wonderful. But you don't always feel like it. It's inconvenient. But I want to say to you, although it is something you don't feel like, it is an objective fact. 
When John came to faith in Christ, he got plunged into the church, whether he liked it or not. Amen. I tell you now, you might think I'm good with Jesus, one of on my own, and I'm doing my journey with Jesus, and everybody else can have their journey individually. No, no, by nature of your conversion, you belong to John, and John belongs to you. By nature of your conversion, it's a spiritual fact. You are now a member of the body of Christ. And let me tell you now, it is the most wonderful thing. Because the way you get put in, it leads to the most abundant joy. Do you know how you get put into the body of Christ? Is when the Spirit starts to awaken you through regeneration, He actually causes you to be born again. What He does is He, he, he makes you an entirely new creation out of nothing. Just like the first world was created out of nothing, God just commanded and said, let there be light. So creation came out into being. So with John, when John says, when, when God said to John, come to Christ, that second the Spirit created this new life. That John is a totally new creation. There is not a single aspect of John's old life that God had to rework or upgrade. Isn't that wonderful? I'm so relieved about that. If God had to touch any of the old putty of Matt Johnson, it would defile anything of the new. Let me tell you that. And this new creation, it's so powerful that when you are born, you're not born again into your old self where John was separated from Christ like in the, the Garden of Eden or whether or not he might have access to the, the, the presence of God through obedience. That was the difference between the first Adam. Adam and Eve, they had the opportunity of being severed from God through sin. Let me tell you this new creation that John is, it is the most powerful thing. John is grafted into Christ. Nothing can separate him from Christ Jesus. Nothing whatsoever. Not, no matter how he feels, no matter about his performance, he has been grafted, baptized into the glory of Christ. So that what can separate him? You know what the most glorious teaching about the body of Christ is? Is the assurance it gives you as a Christian that on your best day or on your worst, you're going to go be with Jesus. Do you know why? Is there ever going to be the point where Christ is going to come into heaven with a maimed foot and an arm going, oops, and the Father says, Jesus, why are you limping in glory? My foot didn't quite make it. My arm didn't quite make it. John just wasn't, I'm picking on you this morning, John, I hope you don't mind. John just wasn't good enough as a surgeon in Christ to be my foot. Jesus is not going to be maimed in glory, amen. Jesus is going to bring every single person grafted into uh, him, into glory because it is his body and his body is beautiful. It is pure. Not a single part of it will be missing. And forever and ever and ever, we will be his glory, amen. Do you believe that this morning? When you are in your sin, oh, let me tell you, I, it is so common. But when you come there, oh, being a Christian is so hard, isn't it? So, I've got to say all nice things all the time and be a nice person all the time. And I'm not a nice person. I don't know. Jesus really loves me. That's what we like. And what happens? Where does the joy of your salvation come when you say, I am in Christ? I'm not in Matt Johnson. I'm not in the way I feel. I'm not in my performance. That's not my position. My position is spiritually grafted by the Spirit into Jesus. And so where Christ is, that's where I am. Amen? I'm going to be with Jesus because I'm joined to Him. Right now, His body's here on earth. Oh, praise God, there's one day when He's going to come and His full body's going to be in heaven. And you pick up your drooping hands and your, your, your feet and you go, oh, no, that's not who you are, my friend. No matter what pressure Satan's breathing down your neck, no matter how much you have failed in the trials or temptations of the last week, I tell you, nothing can separate you from Christ. You have been grafted in. There is nothing that can remove you from his grace, from his blood, from the very thing that keeps you alive. You are alive because he's alive and you're going to go be where he is. When you pray, you're not praying in Matt Johnson or Howie Blaine. You're praying in the glory of Christ. All of heaven is saying, this is one who's accepted because of the fragrance of Jesus on him and her. When you're praying, you might be struggling. Let me tell you, heaven's not struggling to hear you because Jesus is saying, this one's mine. It's glorious. It must make us so assured and steadfast and it must make us so secure because don't you think what's wonderful about the church? It does not matter your background. You could be an ex-pedophile. You could be an ex-murderer. You could be an ex-person who's jealous, a person who struggles with their tongue. It doesn't matter. The, the list of sin is endless. Let me tell you, it says it doesn't matter if you're a slave or free, rich or poor, Afrikaans, English, Kosa, Petty. doesn't matter. South African. Even Americans get into heaven. Can you believe it? It's amazing. 
It is the most powerful thing for you today. You might be a divorcee. You might be a failed parent. You might have a trajectory of being bankrupt and the debt collectors are on your back. You might have the most ugly history. Now, let me tell you, we all got ugly history. Let me tell you, you pull away the history books of Matt Johnson, you will see, oh, he's just like me. But the glory of this engrafting is, in Christ, my friend, there is not a single person here who lacks value. Praise God, <laughs> Marina, praise God for Marina, that there's not the pastor who preaches or the elder up there, and then there's the minions who do all this. No, no, my friend, the glory of Christ in your life is equal to the glory of Christ in mine. It does not matter if you're not very clever. It does not matter if you're not very eloquent. It does not matter if you, it does not matter what your background is. It does not matter what even your your medical history is. It doesn't matter what your his, your marital history is. If you will come to Christ, my friend, He will graft you in, and it will be life changing for you. You will come equally glorified, dignified in Christ. Do you view yourself like that? We're going to be talking about spiritual gifts. You know what the biggest problem about spiritual gifts is? Is, is a spiritual inferiority complex. Because you think, oh, how could God use the love of me? Is that all right, Lizelle? But when you see that this man up on the stage, what difference is he in Christ? I've got the same as him. I've got the same forgiveness of sin. I've got the same cleansedness. I've got the same Holy Spirit. I've got the same scriptures. I've got the same destination. What's the difference between me and him? Nothing. We're one in Christ. I'll give you a quick foretaste of my next point. Why am I taking my time to not preach on spiritual gifts first? It's because the risk of spiritual gifts. What do I mean by spiritual gifts? I'll tell you all about it in detail in the next, next few weeks. It's the prophecy and healing and gifts of administration and leadership and words of knowledge. How many gifts there are? Oh, look how many Christians there are. There are plentiful. You know, the problem with spiritual gifts is this. Is they can produce in the church a spirit of rivalry and division. First, it's like this, oh, there's a holy bunch that speak in tongues. Or there's a holy bunch that prophesy. Or there's a holy bunch that are full-time ministry staff. Or that's not me. I'm not like, let me tell you, if you don't understand that there is an equal playing field by the Spirit in Christ, you will never step forward to be used by God. Because the excuse will be, I'm not like them. Let me tell you today. You are equal in glory. You are equal in value. You are equal in the body of Christ. And if you do not step up by understanding that there is nothing special about me or Howie or John or Lazelle, I'm picking them in a lot this morning. I'm sorry, guys. It does not matter who it is or Ali's beautiful piano playing. You are equal. Let me tell you, you will have such confidence. Because in the end, there is no hierarchy. But the second is this. And this is the problem of Corinthians. Corinthians. You read the book of Corinthians. Oh my goodness, it's just this rivalry everywhere. I follow Paul. I follow Peter. I follow Paulus. It's just I follow Christ. And then they're all trying to outdo each other in the worship service. Our worship services are very mild. They were trying to compete in tongues. Trying to compete in prophecy. They're trying to have the church as a platform. God forbid. The second is this. is Why is it so important that we understand this emphasis on being one in Christ is because, my friends, all that God has deposited in you in Christ Jesus is for the church's well-being. Now, some of our problems are is we don't have a clue how important we are to the welfare of this community. We can be ignorant. Paul says, I want to preach on spiritual gifts because I don't want you to be ignorant on these matters. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1. And the, the, the qualification, can I say this to you today? The two qualifications to be used by God in the church, this body that you have been grafted into by nature of your conversion, is that you understand that you are of equal value, that you have equal participating rights to every aspect of her life. It's under leadership. It's under there. There is responsibility. But the participation is full and open. The second is this, is if you really love her. If you really love her. Every time Paul talks about these spiritual gifts, he talks about love. Friends, today, the starting point of God's probing in our hearts is this. 
how much do you love Christ's bride? Because when Paul talks about spiritual gifts and you operating in the church and serving, small, big, public, hidden, doesn't matter. They're all variety is the motivation of your life must be this one thing. I love her. I love her. I love her. That when I come here, my desire is the well-being of every single brother and sister in Christ. And when I hear of a church struggling in East London or a pastor falling, it grieves us because it hurts the church or a brother and sister has been wronged or there's been some aspect of where we are grieved because we love the body of Christ. I ask you today, how much do you love the church? How much do you see your life as being a blessing to her? It does not matter whether you're the fingernail. The fingernail needs to be able to pick the nose. It doesn't matter if you're the belly button. People need to see your tummy looks normal. You're not Adam, the first Adam. Praise God. There is this glorious understanding that my life as a Christian is not my own. And as Westerners, I want to point out the problem for us this morning. We are fundamentally antagonistic, resistant towards this way of thinking. Our fundamental problem as Westerners is this ingrained individualism of what's in it for me. And fundamentally, this problem in our culture is this independence. You know what independence is? This is my definition. Is extreme self-interest. It's okay to make sure your family's provided, that you are eating properly, and that there are aspects to well-being. That's not, but extreme self-interest is, I choose my life and all its decisions around me. That's the, that's, that's the sin of the Western culture. And the problem that happens is this, is the concept of sacrificially being invested in the well-being of a community, it is totally a foreign concept to us. Our life ambition, young adults, can I say to you today, the sin of young adult years is going, what's in it for me in my work? In my friendships, in my marriage, that my whole life, even choosing the city, choosing the way I use my time, choosing the way I use my relationships, is how much can I be set up just for me? And I can speak like that because I've lived that. Can I say to you today? The mark of a Christian who understands and gets this oneness in Christ and the body is understanding that he or she exists for the welfare of people outside of themselves. And the buy-in is at this level. When they see the church suffering, they suffer inside because of it. There's a glorious scripture where Paul says, let us rejoice with those who rejoice. And what that means, there's no jealousy. One can be doing well. All of us are celebrating their success. But there's also this, and weep with those who weep. You know what that means? It means that you're willing to be inconvenienced by the suffering of others. And this is what God is talking about in understanding of being grafted into the body of Christ. Now, I'm losing my voice rapidly. <laughs> Come, Lord. <clears throat> I want to say to you today, what are the three motivations that are going to help you see this community and the global church of Christ be your committed community? The first is this, is that you have to be able to see, which I'm going to try and convince you of, of how precious the church is to Jesus. If you say, I follow Christ, I tell you, you are interested in the, what he loves. Not so. You're interested in what he's invested in, not so. That's how I love Marina. I get to know what she's like, what seriously irritates her, and what doesn't, not so. That's what it's like with Jesus. Is the first thing is we've got to understand 
the level of commitment we show to something is determined by how much we value it. I have a neighbor. He's incredible. Before I've come to church in the morning, he's washed his car almost every Sunday. He's got two young kids. I've got no excuse. He loves those cars. I'm telling you, they are spotless and shining. Or what about parents here? Hey, your mom or dad, or maybe you, what you do for your kids, you thought you'd never think possible. And as young adults, you think, these guys are a bit cuckoo. When you have the kids, you go, oh my goodness, they're getting up, they're doing this, they're spending all this money working an extra job, because why? You love that child, not so? You want the best for that child. You're so connected to that child's well-being because you value them so much. And it's the same for the church. As I say to you, what is the value of the church to Jesus? It's his own body and blood. Can I just point out that there is nothing more priceless or more expensive in the universe than the divine Son of God's body and blood. And he says, when he talks about the church, he says, that's what I've bled for. Tell you, there's only three people I can think of, maybe God willing more, hopefully I never have to decide that I would bleed for in this life. It's for my son, my daughter, or my wife. My parents might be getting to glory quicker anyway, so it was a joke. I love them very much. But the reality is this, is that you're willing to lay down your life, shed blood for the thing that you value most, not so. Some of us have shed even blood over our businesses. We've worked so hard, we've gotten ill health because of it. I want to say to you today, Christ ransomed the church with his precious blood, it says in 1 Peter 1, 18 to 19. Could there be anything more priceless? God says in 1 Peter 2 verse 9 that we are his special possession. We think about the church. He says, this is my special possession. It's the thing that I prize, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people chosen by God. He, he calls the church his bride. Could there be anything more precious than a bride? I've got a wedding coming up. My favorite moment is when the guy's looking, where's the bride? Everybody stands when the glory of the bride walks in. The one he's going to be united with. What about this? His own body. Anybody not interested here in the welfare of their own body? It's unnatural to do so, to be anorexic or bulimic. It's an unnatural disorder. To cut yourself is a natural. The natural position of a person is to love their own flesh, not so. Christ loves his body. And let me tell you, when you touch his body, you touch him. You touch his church, you touch him. When Saul of Tarsus was persecuting and killing Christians, what did Jesus say to him? He said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Let me tell you, we are not to talk badly about the bride of Christ. There are churches that are very different to us, but we honor them if they follow Jesus. If they're gospel believers and they believe in the centrality of Christ, we don't point the finger, we don't ridicule them, we don't criticize them. They're part of the body of Jesus. We don't, we don't rape the bride of Christ. We don't ever harm her. She is priceless to Christ. We are so careful in the way that we deal with her. Because if you touch his body, if you touch his church, you touch Christ. And the glorious thing is this, is the church is where God puts his presence. Where in all of the world does God decide to put his spirit? Where in all of the world does he decide to say, this is going to be my home? It's in the church. It's in you and me corporately gathered for his glory. And what is Jesus invested in this world? I'll tell you what he's invested in. He says, I tell you, Peter, on this rock I will build my church. Christ is involved in seeing his church expand by many unbelievers coming to faith and by seeing it mature and coming to the fullness of his life and glory. Christ is devoted to his bride, the church. Oh, my friends, and that's why when you read, when the Spirit came down, we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. What was the mark of the believers when they gathered because of the power of the Spirit? They were devoted. Acts chapter 2, 42. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship. Devoted. Is that not another word for committed? They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and the fellowship. And the outworking of this devotion, the outworking of this devotion was when anybody had lack or need, we're not there, there as a church, but God willing, He'll get us there. Is that when anybody there, was in need, they were ready to help give. It says, all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all. Can I say to you today, guys, 
guys, can I, if we are going to love him, it is more than just attending a sermon on a Sunday. If we are going to love him, it's more than attending your duty on the roster. It is recognizing that the well-being of this expression of God's global community, the church here at SBC, is moved forward by your own understanding of what you bring. I wonder if that's how you think this morning. Is your absence creates our deficits. Did you hear that? Your absence is our loss. Your individualism and my individualism is our suffering. That the glory of this church is moved forward by people who understand I'm committed to Christ's body. And when one weeps, I weep with them. When one rejoices, I rejoice with them. I cannot afford to be absent. How can I love something that I'm absent from? How can I love something that I've got not invested in? How can I love something from a distance? No, the very nature of love is to be close, not so. You know, when I speak to fathers who have to travel a lot, the hardest thing for them is to say, I feel so far away from my family. They're doing everything to, to check in, WhatsApps, FaceTime. They want to be close to their family. It's amazing. I ask you this morning. Christ's bride is precious to him. How precious is Christ's bride to us? The second great motivation in building committed community is seeing how connected we are as the body of Christ. Can I tell you how Paul describes it? He says, Paul talks about being joined as ligaments and tendons are to each other. In Ephesians 4 verse 15, it says, rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with, it, with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Colossians 2.18 says, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. He's saying these external things are unhelpful. What is helpful? It says, they're not holding fast to the head. We've got to hold fast to Jesus, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments, grows with the growth that is from God. Do you know how you grow as a Christian? It's through your brothers and sisters. Do you know how the life of the kingdom and the life, the resurrection power of Christ flows through the church, it's through ligaments and tendons, it's through my connectedness to John. When John operates out of his love for me, I experience growth. When you start to take up your call to be a blessing, a channel of blessing to your brothers and sisters, they grow. I ask you, if you're not regulating attendance here, in other words, there's not a real sense of being close to any Christians in your life, that's what I'm saying. How are you growing? How are you growing? I'll guarantee you now, my own experience has been, your spiritual growth declines the further you are away from the ligaments and joints of your brothers and sisters. Spiritual growth declines. The sense of vitality and life, the sense of power and encouragement, the sense of feeling a part of something that's on mission, feeling a part of Christ. Let me tell you this morning when Dane struck that first worship chord, I could sense the presence of Jesus because of what God was doing through these guys here. I ask you today, where are you? Do you see yourself grafted into? Howie is my joints. Howie is my ligament. I cannot find nervous systems or blood or life unless I'm close to him. Am I making sense this morning? I'll put it to you as gently as I can, but I want to help you guys enter into life. That's why we want to pursue life in the Holy Spirit. Where is life flowing? Through the church. The power of Taryn and Julie coming in so gently on Wednesday, leading us into places we haven't been before as a church. Life coming through brothers and sisters who are full of the life and power of the Spirit. It's the most wonderful thing to start to experience what it means to find these channels of grace through the church. And the mark of a trouble in a person's life, in a Christian's life, is the absence of community. It happens every time. 
it is strange for a sheep to wander. And I'll put it to you gently like this. If you're in a ministry team and somebody is not regularly around, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If there is some absence of someone from your small group for a period of time, something's wrong. Check in. Check in quickly. Love them. Because I tell you what, guys. When there is distance between a believer and the rest of his community, there is something wrong. It might be a problem with leadership. It might be a problem with some aspect of there is something wrong. You've got to check in. Why? Because it's good for them. And it's good for you. Because spiritual life flows to us through Christ's body. And then the other thing is this, we belong to each other. Whether John likes me or not, tough. Tough. Do you get to choose your family? My sister hated me for the first 13 years of my life. And she had every reason to. <laughs> when my mother asked whether she would be upset if I died, my sister said no. I want to say to you today, guys, the joy of following Jesus is he puts you into a family. Now, I know our church is far from perfect. I am far from perfect. But we want to get to a place where the unbeliever is jealous of what we have in Christ. Not so. When they look at a distant Christian or a community that's fragmented, what are they missing out on? Nothing. On Wednesday night, you know what the blessing of the whole night of being in God's presence was? I didn't want to go home. I just wanted to be here with my brothers. I couldn't talk. I had no voice. I, was just, I just wanted to be close to them because it was such a connection. There was such a joyful life. It was so wonderful to be together. When the world is to look upon the glory of this gospel community, they've got to go, what do they have that we don't have? Family. Do you know how many lonely people there are outside? Guys, do you know how many lonely people are in here this morning? Lonely. Do you know where that comes from? Is our Western determination of individualism. The very thing that we think is such a hindrance to community. It's our best card. Not so. Because what guys are looking for is they're looking for life. Where does life flow? Through the church. The third motivation for building community communities, understanding that contending for the well-being of the church is to contend for the glory of Jesus. Can I come down to, before I make my final point of application, is this, is that when we are seeking the well-being of Christ's body, we are extending the glory of Christ because what is the presence of Jesus in this world? What is the hands and feet of Jesus in this world? What is the sense of performing and moving the works forward of Christ in this world? It's the church. Jesus said, well, Paul, Luke puts it like this in Acts chapter 1. He says, Jesus only began this work. How is he going to finish it? was when the Spirit came down. His head's in heaven. His hands and feet are on earth. Guess who the hands and feet are? Us. And if the world wants to taste the presence of God, they come into us. They want to experience and smell the fragrance of Jesus. They smell us. There's this wonderful sense of seeing what Christ is like, his attitudes and behaviors and words and deeds. They see it in us. Is when we contend for the well-being of this church, we extend the glory of Christ. When we are extending the glory of Christ, we make him palatable to the world. What a call. So where does that leave you and me today? Oh, I'm in the dust. How do we build community? I'm just going to make a few highlights because we'll unpack this with the weeks ahead. It comes down. Can I just say to this today, if you've checked out, can you check in now for this moment? Okay? Please. Tammy's leaving. No. <laughs> it comes down to the details in your life. It comes down to your diary. It comes down to the way you decide to order your life. We order, I will put it to you. What is the thing you love most in your life? It's what you order your, your life around. It will be your family. Some of you, your families. First, first of all, forget about the world. My family, first. 
I ask you today, here's some questions. How are you arranging the details of your life? What I mean by that is, how are you making your decision making? Can I say this thing is so profound? If you're trying to process moving cities or moving houses or suburbs, or if you're, if you, if you're processing some major life change, does the church ever come into your thinking? Have you ever chosen a city that you want to go to because you believe God's calling you to serve the church there? Can I just be honest? He's not here. Ali, don't tell him I'm doing it, otherwise he'll get a big head. But Dave challenged me on this. Dave is a cardiologist. He's one of the best in the world. He could be anywhere. He could be invited to any faculty. Do you know why he chooses East London? Because he believes it's where God wants him to serve through the church. He will adjust conference dates to be here on Wednesday night last week. He will change his life. He will carve out slots. He will even work till early hours of the morning because he believes that God has placed him in a local church, an expression of the global. But he said, yeah, and he's done in Dave. That's where I want you to serve. Second is how are you using your time? Oh, Lord. Our God's people, a vital part of that thinking about how we spend our most precious commodity. Does community cost us in any way? That's what God said to me, Matthew. Does community cost you in any way? Community is not easy. How are you arranging your life so that you are investing in what I love and what costs me? How are we using our money for the welfare of God's people? How are we using our spiritual influence, our prayer life? Do we pray for SBC? Do we pray for our small group leaders? Let me tell you, one of the toughest jobs in the world is being a small group leader. I did it for years. I'm not leading a small group of elders. I have to visit small groups. I tell you what, it needs encouragement. Are you an encouragement? Do you pray for the one who has influence in your life? Do you encourage those around you? Say, I'm praying for you. Do you pray for the well-being of the rich in Sterling? Do you pray for the well-being of the church in East London, in South Africa, and in the nations of the world? How are we using our capacity for friendships? How wide is our hearts to say, new people are welcoming? Can I say to you, guys are not interested in signing membership forms in this church. They want mates. That's what they want. They want friends. And they generally sign the membership form because they found friends. Our dinner table, how are we using that? Our obedience to the Lord. Do you know, SBC, that your reputation and how you live, your life, carries all of us with you. That's what God said. Matthew, do you understand that when you go out here, you're either hindering everybody else's mission here as Christians or you are moving it forward as we carry the reputation of Christ in the church in the way that we live and what we say and what we do and what we think. Let me tell you, it will be the game changer at work, be the game changer of how you choose to conduct your business, how you choose to raise your kids, how you choose to conduct yourself in your friendship circles as you bear the reputation of all of us. I bear the reputation of all of us here in the way I live my life. I either help you reach that person for Christ or hinder you. How are you using your family? How are you using our families? That's our challenge. Oh, my love. How are we using our talents and gifts? And most importantly, how are we sharing the gospel to see this church expand? It doesn't even have to be our church. If they get grafted into another community in our city, we want to see the church grow and grow and grow because the body gets bigger and bigger. And then who gets bigger in the world? Jesus. Amen? Questions? questions and that's what i want to leave you with today i want to ask you do you want more of the holy spirit and go after what he is after building committed community that leads to the welfare and expansion of christ's body do you want your life to look back on your life and be see a life that's being honored full rich replete with the goodness of god let me tell you, some of us are serving so well here. I just want to say, this sermon for you today is just going, well done, keep going. Because whatever you do, even if it's a cup of cold water for Christ and his disciples, it says, everything we do out of love for the saints will be remembered. So he's saying, I'm weary, I'm tired, I'm tired of doing this. Let me tell you now, guys, whatever you do for the welfare of the church will be rewarded by Christ. And then I want to say to you today, anybody here want to join? You're going, this, this community sounds amazing. You'll see we've got warts and all, but let me tell you what, we're going to be in glory together. And I want to ask you, where are you in the community of God? Do you know Christ? Can you call these guys brothers and sisters? Are you saved? Are you born again? What's happened to John? Has it happened in your life? Can you say, these people are my people in Christ Jesus? If not, we want to help you this morning.
I'm going to ask all of us to stand. I want to help you. I want to help you this morning, if that's you. If you have not yet come to faith in Christ, my friends, we're inviting you in. You don't come in here by lots of attendance. You don't come into the church by lots of attendance or signing a membership form. You come in through Jesus Christ. You get grafted into his body. And the way that you do that is you, you allow God to deal with the thing that's stopping you. It's called sin. And if that's you this morning, you know you need Jesus. What would you say to Christ this morning? Jesus, I need you. I want you. I've sinned so much against you. But I want you to forgive my sin. I want you to wash me clean by the blood you shed on the cross. And I want you to make me your own, one of your people. Would you show me how to live as one of your people? That was you welcoming. For the rest of us here, Lord, I'm going to pause communion until next week. I apologize to those that are served. I just sense the Lord wanted to say something this morning. And I sense that we need to give some more attention to communion than what I'm going to give it in this moment. I'm sure you'll forgive me if someone here has come to faith in Christ. <laughs> but I want to pray, Jesus, over us as a church. God, you know I fall so short. But Lord, I want to grow into the fullness of maturity, which is understanding my role lived out in fellowship with others here. I want to ask if there's any wanderers this morning, would you just plant them in here this morning? Would you just say, no, no, it's time to call this home. Is anybody here that had kind of been on the outskirts? I'll ask you how much longer. If spiritual life is through the church because Christ's power is moving through her, how much longer are you going to deny yourself life? My friend, I want to invite you to come. Lay down your own rights. Lay them down. Come and enjoy the blessing of being grafted into Jesus. We pray these things in your wonderful name. All God's people said, Amen. Well done.